Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. I uh, have this message that's been birthed inside of me and and I know that this is going to be a word that's going to strengthen you at your core today. And so uh, my message is titled Expectations. I have to tell you that I almost titled it I'm Expecting. But in order to... (laughs) We're a really progressive church. But uh, either that or we could operate in the miraculous. I mean, really miraculous. In every premarital counseling session I've ever had, this is one of the chief problems, problem areas I point out with couples. Invariably, Every couple brings expectations to the relationship that will manifest in a negative fashion. Let me explain this to you. Maybe the bride's father was an attentive, gentle man who was the kind who helped with dishes and clean up even after working all day. I know wives are dreaming right now. Maybe the groom's mom was an outstanding cook that had a meal on the table at 5.30 p.m. sharp every day and waited on his dad like a butler or a personal servant. Maybe her family went on vacations to exotic places each summer and or maybe his family really focused on outdoor adventures in the winter. If these simple lifestyle differences are not negotiated in some level prior to marriage, problems arise. Fighting begins, and people like me and Pastor Peggy have more counseling sessions. (laughs) Hear me when I say this, the premise of my message is built on this principle. Unmet expectations are a serious problem inside of marriage as well as any relationship. You bring expectations to every relationship you have, whether family or friend. First time you meet somebody, you have an expectation based on the nature of that meeting. You think they are friendly and kind and generous or whatever the case may be in that first meeting. But you get to know them and, you know, show up at their house for they've asked you over. They ask you to take your shoes off if you don't mind before you come in the door, please. And when you leave the bathroom, I want to know that your hands are washed, clear, clean, 
etc., etc. All kinds of things, man. There are expectations inside of every relationship that you know. And each of us at various times have trouble with this issue. It's especially problematic, however, when we do it with God. Yes, we put unrealistic expectations on God. How do you mean, preacher? Follow me in this message. At some point in this message, every single one of you sitting in here will understand that principle. Unrealistic expectations. God didn't meet you the way that you thought he was supposed to meet you. I have a word of caution for you today. Those of you listening online, pay close attention. Be careful when criticizing a brother or sister in Christ because when you don't understand someone's expectations, you can't make sense of their disappointments. That was worth the message right there. When you don't understand someone's expectations, you will never make sense of their disappointments. Surely you realize that tangled up in all of this discussion about expectations is the exercise of our faith. Faith, when you get to the, ex uh, the essence of it, it's about expectations, right? Your faith. When you, you, you apply your faith to a situation or circumstance, you have expectations put on that. I do this every Sunday morning when I stand up here in this pulpit. I have expectations on God. I expect Him to show up. I expect Him to be real. I expect Him to manifest Himself in multiple ways. It's not wrong to have expectations of God. But for the child of God, faith expectations get murky when your wants get muddled with God's plans. There again, there's point number two. I could stop right now and you could walk away and say, wait a minute, he just said something that changed my life. That's where we run into trouble. Faith expectations get murky when your wants, hear the word, your wants get muddled with God's plans. Let me give it to you from the Word of God. You know this verse. This is the Passion Translation, however, of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still un. See, you hear those words? Brings our hopes, that's an expectation, right? Acquire the things we long for, expectation. The evidence required to prove what is still unseen. What is unseen is an expectation, So we're going to look at faith for life to begin with today. Because in life, faith looks like confident assurance. Confident assurance. That's what faith looks like in life. 
You walk, you carry yourself with a confident assurance. Faith is the confident assurance that a, hear me, here's another one of these plugs that you could take away. You're writing notes. This is one of the notes you want to write down. Even if you're not following the notes in the, that you received in the bulletin or on your phone if you are still doing that. Faith is a confident assurance that a negative circumstance still holds the potential to produce great purpose in my life. I got two amens out of that. Maybe I should repeat it. Faith is the confident assurance that a negative circumstance still holds the potential to produce great purpose in my life. You know what this means? Don't take the photo yet. You got to get the next point. You can take the photo all you want. What it means is that I can walk into something dark or difficult and light it up because of my faith. Let's give a whole new meaning to that phrase that's been kicked around for the last four years, lit. What is your faith lighting up right now in your life? Really, hear me when I say this to you. Come on, church. What is your faith lighting up right now? Because you're different from your neighbor. Your non-believing neighbor. Are you being overcome by the darkness of negative situations in your life? Or are you bringing hope and light? <clears throat> because real active faith brings hope, light, and life. Real active faith. And here it is from John. The Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12, puts it this way. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will light it up everywhere you go. You'll have the light that leads to life. So what does that mean to you? Well, Jesus, who is the light of the world, lives in you. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you ought to be lit. I see you coming. Yeah, what this means is that whatever Jesus did, you can do. I, that was weak. Whatever Jesus did, you can do. John 14, 12, I didn't make this stuff up, church. This is in the Word. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. To quote an inappropriate movie, you can do it. If you didn't see it, it's okay. You don't need to. 
you don't get that reference, I'm all right with that. Because as a byproduct of your relationship with Christ, you should be a change agent. You. You should be a change agent. As a byproduct of who you know, who's in you. So again, I'll say it, wherever you go, Albert, you should light it up. Wherever you go, that place suddenly is lit because Albert's there. Ain't got nothing to do with this shiny cranium either. No, it's lit because of what's in him. Who's in him? And our problem is our faith is under fire right now. For every believer, it's always been that way. Faith under fire. Hear what it says from Matthew 11, verses 2 through 3. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? You hear that word? Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Why is this going on? Because John the Baptist had a different idea of how his life would go. It's not unrealistic to think that John was taught from his earliest years that he was to promote his relative Jesus. Not unrealistic. From his earliest years, from his childhood, he was taught from his earliest years that he was going to promote his relative Jesus. He must become greater, John said. I must become less and less. What's the problem here? Well, the problem here is that John the Baptist was a big man on the scene for a time. He was a big man on the scene. People were coming from all over, from miles around. They would travel. This is pre-cars. This is pre-all of those things. And they would come from miles around to see Jesus, or excuse me, to see John the Baptist. He was baptizing hundreds of thousands of people. People were blowing up his Instagram. He had huge crowds visiting his Twitter. Two million followers. And his honey and locust TikTok went viral. You put the locust in the honey and chew it all up. Put the locust in the honey, chew it all together. Went viral. Candy-coated locusts, bro. He had the ear of the elite. Whether good or bad, he had their attention. And this stuff has a way of inflating your expectations. You may begin to think more highly of yourself than you want to. Just look around. Just look around. Anybody, it blew up either on YouTube or, uh, you know, some of these rappers and stuff. They're just too much too soon. It just, 
overwhelms them. Crowds clamoring after him and yelling for him. Oh, just look, look back. Look back over time. Way back before many of you were born, Marilyn Monroe, she couldn't handle all the attention she received. Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, and then, then go to our modern people. It's just too much. Overwhelms them. You begin to feel entitled. And I can't, I can't tell you that I honestly know that's what was happening with John the Baptist, but he clearly wasn't expecting what did happen to him to happen. You see what happens? This is what, what the passage we read from, John the Baptist. Here, I'll take you back there just for a moment. Should we keep looking for another? Are you the Messiah? John, your purpose in life. Can I be real with y'all this morning? When I got a bacterial infection in March of 2018 that landed me in the hospital for nine days. Nine days. And outside of the gap after the age of 14 between then and I was 58 then, that, that I'd never been in, the, I'd never had a hospital stay. And after nine days, they come and sit down with me and tell me I've got a bad heart valve and I need heart surgery. That kind of stuff will take the wind out of your sails. If I'm honest with you, I felt I deserved or was entitled to a better physical life than that. Then just so some of you who don't know me very well know, understand this, never drank alcohol, never smoked cigarettes, and from the age of about 25 have kept a steady diet of exercise in my life. And, to and didn't have family members that had heart problems prior to this. And so I felt somewhat entitled at serving the Lord. I'm a pastor of a church. How, what, you know, and we, we prayed and we believed God. Some of you were right here with us when this was going on. And believing God when we found out this was the problem, we prayed. We sought the Lord for healing, miraculous healing. But then... I went in for surgery. I got a big old, I can prove it to you. Right here on my chest. Unmet expectations have a way of blurring your faith vision. I, I didn't say this last one. Trouble has a way of taking you down a few notches. It does. It brings you down a few notches. Brings you a big old dose of reality. Of life reality. And, and for some people, this kind of thing can th throw you into a tailspin. It could put you off God entirely because of your expectations. Unmet expectations have a way of blurring your faith vision. Clearly, John did not expect to land in prison. You with me? Wasn't on his resume, his future cast. He wasn't planning on a stint in prison. 
And while behind bars, he begins to think about his expectations regarding Jesus. Remember what he said, what we read, excuse me, a moment ago in Matthew eleven two. 2. Here's what it, it says in the word. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard all about the things the Messiah was doing. He heard all the things Jesus was doing. This was his purpose for being. John the Baptist was told from his early years he would be the precursor to Messiah. But much of what John had heard or been taught on what the Messiah would be, do, would be, excuse me, let me slow down. What John had been taught that the Messiah would be and do didn't align with what Jesus was doing at that time. Expectations. John had different expectations. Now listen to me for a moment. This was John's reason for being, right? You know, you know that when he was being raised, what his mom and dad would be saying to him, some of the things his mom and dad would be saying to him. Telling him things like, hey, you're the precursor to the Messiah. Get your room cleaned up. What would he think of that? How come, come, how come you can't be like Jesus? John, I mean, Jesus, he, he's all that. Yeah, the expectations would have been put upon him. His parents would have said to him, now, John, you do realize, and I want to put extra pressure on you, son, but, you know, you're the precursor to Messiah. Everybody got to know about Jesus who is to come, the Messiah, and you're the one. It wasn't even in the matrix. Some of you will get that reference. Let me, let me give it to you from Luke chapter 4. This is what John knew and understood. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. This is what Jesus said when he announced himself in Luke chapter 4. John would have known that Jesus said this. John would have known this, folks. This, is, this didn't slip by John the Baptist. You hear the words? He has sent me. This is of Jesus. This is Jesus reading these words from Isaiah. And he sat down and he said, oh, by the way, this passage, this word is fulfilled in your sight. In other words, I'm that guy. Captives will be released. Where is John? That the blind will see. That the oppressed will be set free. Where's John? He's in prison for announcing Jesus. But I want you to do this. I want you to listen to me. I already said this in some form. I'm going to say it again. Now you can take it for your notes. Hold your criticism because when you don't understand someone's expectations, you can't make sense of their disappointments. So you're going to have to give John some grace because his unmet expectations had him thinking wrong. That ever happened to any of you? You don't have to say, oh man, amen, amen. You can say, oh my. 
or oh me, or forgive us, Lord. Everyone listening to me right now has been in this battle at some time or other. Unmet expectations will dictate how you view a situation. Remember, we're in the section now of my message that's titled, Faith Under Fire. That's what's going on in your walk with God. Your faith is continuously under fire. Are you going to believe God? Are you going to believe God's word? Are you going to walk in God's way? Are you going to stay under this? Unmet expectations will dictate how you view a situation. From John's earliest years, he was told he would herald the Messiah's coming. As a whole, the, the Jewish people were taught the Messiah would deliver them from Roman or from oppression. Messiah would deliver them from oppression. Consequently, what do you think John was thinking? If I'm the precursor to the Messiah, John was there, church. John was there when Jesus was baptized. John the Baptist was the guy who said, I'm not even able to latch his shoes. He baptized him. He was there. He heard the voice. He saw the dove. John was there. And yet, you hear these words? Are you the one we should be looking for? John, do you think you just wasted the last three years of your life? Dude? Jesus doesn't respond with him like that. But he thought he would have a place in his kingdom. That's why. John the Baptist thought, I got a spot. I mean, if I'm his precursor, surely he's going to put me on his staff. I'm going to be his Right-hand man, I'm his first assistant. People have to come through me. That's right, we family. What's up, cuz? You got a place for me? Jesus was expected by them then. I'm telling you all of the people, but it applies to John the Baptist individually. Jesus was expected by them. This isn't in your notes. You have to write this one down somewhere on the side. He was expected by them then to do what we know he will do at his second coming. Set up his kingdom. Come in on the white horse. No donkey this time. White horse, flaming fire. He's going to set things right. He's going to establish his kingdom. That's what they were expecting him to do at that time. That's why John's expectations were different than what he was living right now. So in their context, they expected Jesus to deliver them from Roman oppression. They were living under the oppression of Rome. And when what you see does not align with what you believe you should be seeing, your faith will be rattled. Y'all help me sing a song. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. 
For the Father up above is looking down with love. Be careful, little eyes. Don't you see? You do the second part. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is He's listening. He's got to be listening because he's. Yeah, why am I singing that? Why am I getting you to go down that path? Because I want you to be careful of the things you listen to because your expectations may be based on something that's unrealistic. You're hearing what you want to hear, not what you should be hearing. Because Jesus was going to do everything that he was prophesied to do. He just wasn't going to do it the way they thought he should do it. I'm telling you, up until the point when Jesus is resurrected from the grave, they're still thinking he's going to set up his kingdom on earth. And some of them, when he was resurrected, thought that's what he was going to do. When they saw him, oh, oh, now I see. And they were still wrong. And disappointed. So let's look at our faith at work. Here's the Hebrews 11.1 1 with the New King James. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Expectations, you see it? The evidence of things not seen. Again, expectations. The things not seen. Can I talk to you about your faith for a moment today? Come on, can I, can I catch all of you when it comes to your faith for a moment today? I need you to follow me in this whole section here. And there's a part of me that wishes you weren't writing notes. But I also want you to be able to have something to take home with you. And this is something that's going to establish you in your walk with God, in your faith. Doesn't the word say, all things work together for good? You say amen to that? Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Yeah, there's some, there's some uh, points to it that make up the whole of it, but it's all things work together for good. Doesn't the word also tell us that God is both alpha and omega? Those, by the way, for those of you who don't, do not know it, that's the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So all that means is that God knows the end from the beginning. He knows before it starts how it's going to end. I want you to hear that again. All things work together for good. He is Alpha and Omega. He knows before I even get into trouble, the trouble I'm going to get into and how I'm going to get through it. He knows it. Don't we confess that God is good? We make that confession. We make that statement. I could have said it, and you did finish it. God is good all the time. And all the time. Hmm. Here's the good stuff, all right? This one right here is the good stuff 
Again, if you're not taking notes, take this one. Doesn't that therefore mean all of the previous statements, all things work together for good, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, God is good all the time. Doesn't that therefore mean if you're having trouble in L-M-N-O-P that God will make sure you prosper in the land of the living? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads needs me beside still waters. He prepares a table before me even in the presence of my enemies. And even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. His rod and his staff. That means he's out ahead of me. Alpha. Out ahead of me. He knows my way. He knows the path. All I got to do, trust the shepherd. So I'll say it to you this way. Faith is an expectation. Psalm 23, verse 6. You know it. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, the King James says. All the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Okay, anyway. Philippians 1 6 puts it this way, and I'm certain, y'all got to stand up for this one. I want you to read it with me. I'm going to put it up here so you can read it with me. Philippians 1 6. I want you to say it with me. Make a statement of faith. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I want you to personalize it. You see where it says, who began the good work within you, I want you to say, within me. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within me, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So look at your neighbor right now and tell him, light it up! You may be seated. Those kind of scriptures bring assurance to my faith. How about you? I can live with the assurance that the Almighty, Alpha and Omega, the King of Kings, has told me according to His Word, which is immutable, unbreakable, that every situation I could possibly get myself into, He has the way out. One thing about, that's good about age is that it, you gain experience. And so I'm telling you, when I talk about having sat in a hospital for nine days with a bacterial infection that came from nowhere, I mean, it still left the hospital. They finally figured out what I had. I could give you the name. 
It's a weird Latin name. But it, they, even, they were like, the doctor was so disappointed that I didn't have malaria. <laughs> Infectious disease. Because we had been in Puerto Rico a month earlier and after Maria, and he thought they'd, they'd finally discovered another case of malaria here in the, uh, you know, in this neck of the woods. He wanted to be the one to say it wasn't malaria. It was a bacterial infection that they claim came from my own mouth. And you didn't know. When they, the commercial says what's in your mouth really matters, yeah. I'm not telling you I was chewing on something that had bacteria on it. I'm just telling you it came out of my own, apparently. But then my dentist said no. This came out of nowhere. But I do know this. The way I exercise, if it was never discovered that I had a bad heart valve, they would have found out. I would have found out. About halfway up that third uphill swing I have on my bike ride, I'd have, I'd have found out. And I wouldn't have been discovered till I was in the presence of Jesus. Which would have been okay, but Pastor Amy has another word on that. I experience, you gain something with experience. You walk through life. God took me through all of that. Had his hand on me through all of that. I'm grateful for surgeons that are capable of what used to be impossible. The bad part about experience is in old age, if you will, it, it can diminish expectation. That's bad. And so I've had to work at not allowing my expectations to be marred. And they're not. My goodness, if you guys knew all of the stuff. What God has just done in the last two months for us as a church. I don't even know. Did we ever say anything about our, our daycare got a grant for $116,000. Did you hear that? That's six digits. $116,000. We're going to come to you guys for another 50000 for the kitchen. Now, we got other projects, so please give your end of the year blessings to the kingdom. Uh, we got plenty to put it towards. This is a I didn't do the math. 66 to 2021 right now. That's how long this building has been here since 1966. So we got lots of things that need attention. Let me bring it to a conclusion. And this is the really good stuff, church, that you're going to walk out of here today cheering on. Expectation is contagious. I want you to follow me on this because this, this is why I'm preaching this at Christmas time. 
It's why I'm bringing you this message at Christmas time. It's important. In fact, it's vital that you connect yourself with people who have similar expectations. So you need to get the hookup with somebody who has similar expectations. Their, their faith is where your faith is. Here it is. John's mother, Elizabeth, right? We've been talking about John. But his mother, Elizabeth, was pregnant miraculously. Pregnant with John miraculously. Are you still with me? He was, she was pregnant with John the Baptist miraculously. In other words, God had already exceeded their expectations. He exceeded them. Zechariah, her husband, was serving God faithfully in the temple like he had done for years. And he gets visited by an angel. Your wife's going to be pregnant. And John's like, I'm not even there with her. How's that possible? And, you know, things aren't working like they used to. It was the same for her. Here, look at it from the look at it from the word. Luke 136 puts it this way. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. Do you see it? <laughs> that's, that's an angel talking to Mary now. Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. Woo! Thank God for what people used to say. They used to say you were trouble. They used to say you were an all-night partier. Now you can go all night in prayer. Hallelujah. So what happens here? Mary Elizabeth's relatives has heard that she was pregnant and knows it's miraculous. She may have even known that an angel was involved in the process. So what does Mary do? Mary decides she's going to come alongside someone who has similar expectations. Right? What, what do you mean, preacher? Someone who wouldn't think it's strange or that you're weird because you say you're pregnant and still a virgin. Because y'all know, you ain't believing that. Listen to me when I say this to you, church. Mary was coming alongside of the one person on the entire planet that would believe her when she said that. The one person that had similar expectations because she's now pregnant and he's supposed to go that way. Those systems weren't working anymore in her or Zechariah. God can make it work. He can suspend the natural. Here it is in Luke 1, 39 through 41. Now, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. She hurried. She wanted to get there because she'd had enough. 
of people talking behind her back, people saying the bad things, people making up stuff about her. She claims she's pregnant. She ain't been with her. Come on. Everybody's talking about her. Yeah, yeah, they probably had a meme on her. Let's read the rest of it. To the town where Zechariah lived, she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. I ain't done yet, church. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me round this thing out for you guys. Mary's faith manifests in a fashion that's positively explosive. She lit it up. <laughs> Her faith lit it up. Because all she had to do was walk in the room. That's all she had. And she didn't say, I'm here. Check this out. No. She just greeted, yo, Elizabeth. And the baby, <laughs> you're right, Albert. Girl, have I got something to tell you. You know what's up. I got something to tell you, girl. I know they've been talking about you. They've been talking about me. Let me tell you something. Yeah, she got all that. She didn't do any of that. Hello, Elizabeth. Boom. Baby leaps inside of Elizabeth. And what happens? She, she not only is a child in Elizabeth moved, but she's also moved and begins to prophesy. That's what you get. You can read it later. That's exactly what happens to Elizabeth. She begins to prophesy, blessed are you among all women. Hallelujah. She lit it up. She had a faith expectation that was completely different. And listen, it doesn't end there because Elizabeth gets Pentecostal before Pentecost. This is pre-Pentecost, church. It's what the word says. She was filled with the Holy Ghost and she begins to prophesy. And I'm sorry, Albert, she didn't speak in tongues. She just started prophesying. She, <laughs> she's Pentecostal before Pentecost. Why? Because Mary had a faith expectation. When she walked in that room, that whole place was lit. And Elizabeth catches it. She was already seeking the Lord. She was already on fire for the Lord. She had similar faith expectation. And that's why this, when this, let me just make my point. This is what happens when expectations and faith collide God's way. Y'all catch that? When expectations and faith collide God's way, there's an explosion. Presence and power of God, the Holy Ghost shows up and He does things that He does. Wasn't going to happen any other way. 
You can do that. It can happen in your life. Believers, you see, must have expectations. You don't have the privilege of having no expectations. Now, you need to put your expectations to work, your faith expectations. And what has to happen is your wants have to get out of the way of God's plan. And your expectations then need to align with God's plan. Because God, you can't be more spiritual than John the Baptist, people. But what happened was when he fell into trouble, he's in prison, and his expectations weren't, they just didn't align with what he was seeing, what he was feeling. The circumstances he was under blurred his faith vision. And you all know the rest of that story. Ultimately, John the Baptist loses his head, literally. Why, why that? Well, you might as well say, why did Jesus, why was he only 33 years old? Think of what could have happened if he'd have lived till he was 66 years old. Or 77, y'all, with the numbers game. What could have happened if Jesus had lived all that time? What would have happened was people would have still had expectations that were wrong. Because the way he established his kingdom was the way that was the plan of God for all of humanity, not just for the Jewish people. If what happened with Jesus didn't happen with Jesus, the way it happened with Jesus, you and I wouldn't be sitting in church December 19, 2021. So your expectations must align with the plan of God for your life. He wants your way to prosper. But your way needs to align with his plans. For that to happen, you have to walk in faith. And so from this point forward, you should light up the room everywhere you go. You, you should. Your faith your expectations should be so vivid, so real, so strong that where you go, like Jesus, the atmosphere changes. Everywhere he went, every city, you read the word and you tell me if I'm wrong. You won't find it, but you can try. Every place you read that Jesus went and when he was engaged in the process, he changed the situation. He was a change agent. He brought life. He brought hope to the most desperate situations. There were lame people. There were blind people. There were even dead people that he raised to life. And it didn't end with Jesus because you got the apostles, Peter. You got Paul. They were trying to lay people in, his, in Peter's shadow when he walked by. And people were being killed just by that. Talk about being lit. You're a change agent. Act like it. Walk like it. Talk like it. Be a child of God full of the Holy Spirit. And like Elizabeth, begin to allow the Holy Spirit to make you come alive everywhere you are, everywhere you go. Look for Him.
Stand to your feet, please. Now, before I do anything else, I would love for you to appreciate, even you watching online, if you're in a position that you can do so, I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes, nobody looking around, nobody distracted by anything at this moment. And you're here right now and you're not in a right relationship with Christ. You say, listen, if Jesus were to rapture his church, I'm not ready for it. If he were to call me home, I'm not ready for that. Things are not right between God and I, and I've recognized that through this service, but I want to change it, preacher. If that's you, lift your hand right where you're at. Nobody's looking around. God bless you. If somebody else would lift a hand up, say, I, I, I need to get things right with the Lord. Lift it up. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Now you believers know I'm going to get back to you in a moment, but you understand that as a pastor, I got to deal with the eternal thing first. If you lifted your hand, I want you to be able to pray this prayer with me. But in order to acknowledge your expression of faith in Jesus, he was willing to go to the cross for you. Are you bold enough and willing to step out of your seat right now and come down to this altar if you raised your hand and say, I mean, business, I'm going to get things right with the Lord today. Would you do that? Come on, who will be the first one? There several hands that went up. Who will be the first one that will just come? It's Pastor Micaiah. If you want to sing something, you sing. You come on. Just come on down there. God bless you. your opportunity listen there's still room down in this altar plenty of room if you raised your hand you mean business with God you want to get things right you're unashamed you want to get out of your seat and come right now anybody I'm gonna pray with these these folks that are down here right now all right those of you that have come forward don't know your names but that's not as important as you praying this prayer with me, all right? Pray this prayer out loud, mean it from your own heart, and watch what God does. Lord Jesus, I really need you. I want to thank you, Lord, because you died for me. You shed your blood for me. So this morning, Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. You rose from the grave, proving your power over death. And because of that, you give me eternal life. From this moment, I am yours. Amen. Amen. You, the highest praise.
if you don't mind, these, this couple standing right in that door, would you all just please go right over there with her and him? Got to help you know what's next. The one lady's name is Elizabeth. Special for her. Listen, don't let this moment pass. And you're here right now today. And you're in the, you remember that part where I said in the L-M-N-O-P? You're in that middle section where you're like John the Baptist. Maybe you're not in prison, but your situation looks bleak. It's not aligning with what your, your faith was out there for, what your expectations were. Things don't look like what you expected. And you really need God to show up. I'd be happy to pray for you today. Would you just leave your pew and come on up here today? You, if that's you, if your story, your situation, I, I'm not here to, I'm not going to point out what your story is. I'm not trying to make it something that it's not. But if, it, if you want prayer, because what's happening for you is just seemingly more than you can bear. You want God to show up. Come on. Don't wait till it's desperate. Till you feel like you have no hope. I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. I'm giving you time. Because I know how it is with people. Some of you have been up to the altar before and you're thinking, well, I don't, you know, why should I come this time? Do you remember that Bible story of the impertinent woman or person that needed bread? Just keep knocking till you get the bread. You move the mountains, and I believe Hallelujah. I'll see you do it again. You made a way. Come on, Albert, stand up. Where there was no Tina, way, I believe. I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. I believe. I'll see you do it again. You made a way. Come on up, Stephen. Help me out. Where there was no way. And I believe. I'll see you do it again. I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, I believe. I'll see you do it again. I'll see you do it again. I'll see you do it again. Yes. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. 
congregation and perhaps several watching online if not now at some point who will pick up this message lord meet them right where they are and help them in the in-between when what they see what they hear what they feel isn't aligning with what they expected god prove to them you are always faithful because you cannot be unfaithful so if we are your children, we are your child, then God, you will show up for us. And God, you have a plan that you're going to work in and through us. And I thank you for making that happen. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray and believe. Amen and amen. Love you folks. Have an amazing day. We'll see you again next week. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. 
If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel, not only to the Lehigh Valley, but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.